Private Lender Podcast, Episode 64. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Ben Bernanke, who said, The U.S. government has a technology called a printing press, or today, its electronic equivalent, that allows it to produce as many U.S. dollars as it wishes at no cost. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Welcome to the Private Lender Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping private lenders learn how to mitigate risk and to become a passive investor. I'm your host, Keith Baker, and welcome to episode number 64. I want to thank you for sharing your time with me today and listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. And this is going to sound a little awkward because you'll hear my guest, Josie Anderson, talk about putting a class together, which we did. However, by the time you hear this, it will have already happened due to several of my scheduling conflicts and my little hiatus. So my apologies to Josie for not getting this out there prior to the class, but I want to thank her for coming on the show today and for putting the, helping putting the class together. So what's the class about? Well, it's all about title insurance. You know, I was going to say I finally found somebody, but truthfully, I finally made it a priority to bring somebody on the show to speak about title insurance from a lender's perspective. A sort of elementary preview into it. The title, you know, a lot of people just think as long as they get a title commitment, then okay, it's fine. I can get title. But there are exceptions. There are things that title policies don't cover. And so this is going to be a intro into that. I like it because it's somebody else who is talking about it. So I get to sit back and listen just like you guys for a bit. And hopefully I ask the right questions for everyone in the in the audience. But I had a great time recording this. And I can't wait to jump into it. So let's go ahead and get to the interview with Josie Anderson from Valero Title. Lender Nation, I am proud to have Josie Anderson on the show today. Josie's with Valero Title. And I have been chomping at the bit to have somebody from a title company come on and talk about title insurance in the process. So first off, Josie, welcome and thank you for coming on the Private Lender Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. All right. So I know you're not some escrow officer yourself, but you're in the VP of marketing. But by proxy, have a degree, a master's degree in, in the title process. So, a doctor's degree. A doctor's <laughs> degree, yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, walk us through your company, Valero Title. Okay, so Valero Title, we are all over Texas. We have an office in Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio. But we're the only title company in Texas that offers a zero escrow on all products. So whether it be both sides of your contracts, cash out, rate and term refis, whatever it may be. No junk fees, so we don't have FedEx fee, courier fees. And now a lot of title companies have the e-foul fee as much as $450, $500. And I always tell people, guys, that's an email. And they're charging as much as $500. And then the other thing that we offer is complimentary mobile notary on anything over $50,000. Nice. Very, very nice. And you guys are, of course, if you're on this show, you're investor friendly. Exactly. Yes, we are. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So that is no escrow fees, no junk fees. And the complimentary mobile notary is a lifesaver. I mean, as a lender, we usually don't get involved in the closing, but as an investor, 
when someone just shows up to the office and all I have to do is just sign a few docs. It really removes the friction out of my day. So that is a, a great, great service. So let's say already established you're in Texas. Are you in any other states or just Texas? So we do have a sister company in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale, but that's a whole nother territory. They cover anything outside of Texas. Gotcha. Okay. So any reason you guys have start Texas specific and then everything else, or is it uh, because we're such a wonderful state? But <laughs> that, number one, because Texas is amazing. But our owner is actually born and raised in Texas. He's a UT guy. So he opened the first office in Florida and knew he wanted to get back to Texas. So we've been in business now in Texas for 11 years. Wow. Okay. Interesting. All righty. Title insurance is something that I absolutely demand on any of my loans, number one. And I think a good relationship with the title company is, man, you know, you got to have one on your team. Not so much, it doesn't really matter what, for me as a lender, what title company actually closes the transaction, as long as they are licensed with Texas Department of Insurance and their policies are just like everybody else's, you know, as long as everything's above board, I really don't have a problem. I do have preferences with using certain title companies. And I have, you know, you can call somebody, hey, I've never heard of this. This is an oddball thing. What would your underwriter, how would your underwriter treat that? You know, if let's wrap a mortgage five times, would your underwriter do that? Probably not, but that's just Probably a, not. Yeah, it's just an example of <laughs> right, you know, exactly. what, why you need a title company on your team. But let's start with the top. What does the title insurance cover? How does it protect both the borrower and the lender? So I always tell people when you're getting a loan, especially if you're getting a loan from a bank, the bank is not going to give you a loan without title insurance. They want to be just as protected as the borrower. So I always explain in my first time home buying classes, I'm like, title insurance does not cover you for theft, fire, flood, or any of that. It's a one-time charge. They paid at the time of closing. And as long as you own that property, you are covered. And what title insurance covers is your right and legal ownership to your house or land you have purchased. So if anything comes up in the future that you may need legal backup because it's something that we miss, whether it be a lien, whether it be a judgment, it's something that our examiners miss, that's what we're there for. We're there to cover that. Gotcha. So if the long lost cousin or brother you got it. Accidentally shows up and we thought he got killed at sea and no, oh, here I am. Correct. And you sold grandma's house and left me out. Mm-hmm. That's when the title policy kicks in. And that's something that I explain all the time. Hey, you don't want someone to come knocking at your door and say, hey, this is my grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. No one told me that this house is being sold and I'm an heir to this property. So that's exactly what title insurance is for. Okay. And what are some of the, you mentioned flood, windstorm, fire, title's not going to cover your air conditioner when it grows out or it goes out. I'm sorry. But what are some of the things that are typically not covered? Like for example, let's say I've seen it in the past where there was a house was sold from an, by an investor. It was a wholesale deal. He came in, he got it and put a little bit of work into it, sold it. And everyone just assumed that where the property lines were. Correct. Come to find out half of the garage was in somebody else's yard. Correct. And it got really messy. So is that something title would help out with? Yeah, there are endorsements that can cover that. The thing about it is, is I'll give you an example. This is something that we recently had where the swimming pool, no, but they decided to build a swimming pool and no one looked at the survey. So they build over an easement, like right smack in the middle. It wasn't even a couple of inches or a foot. It was smack in the middle of an easement. 
as a title company, most likely we will not insure that. Even if you have extra coverage or whatever it may be, our underwriters will probably turn their nose up at that and say, uh, yeah, no, thank you. Gotcha. So then it's worthwhile to have a survey performed before closing. At least I always go back about five years. If nothing's materially changed on the property, maybe a deck or something, that's fine. But if, if someone's owned the house 30, 40 years, then it's worth checking those boundaries. And as a title company, as long as it is legible and it is stamped, normally our escrow officers and underwriters will accept it as long as there is a T19 in place. So they will normally accept it, even if it is 10 years old, 12 years old, as long as it is legible and there is a stamp and it can be read and nothing has changed, then we're normally okay with that. But I always say it's a case-by-case basis. Well, uh, yeah, that's what I've, I've found out when it comes to title. So let's back up just for a second. What's a T19? I take it that's a form? Don't be asking difficult questions. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> well, there's a T19 and then there's a T19.1. So the T19 is actual coverage for the lender. And what that covers is actually, it protects you against violations of restrictions. And then the owner can also get a T19.1 on their portion of the title and it protects them as well. And that's a great point that you brought up that there are essentially there are two policies that are issued at closing. There's one for me, the lender, because I want to protect my money. And it's usually for only the loan amount. So if I'm loaning, say, $100,000 on a property on a rehab uh, total, that is purchase and rehab uh, repair costs, my policy will be for, let's say, $100,000 because that's what my loan amount is for. Whereas the investor or the buyer will usually go for what the ARV or the after-repaired value would be. So his title policy would protect him or her to reimburse them for that full amount or protect them up to that full amount. Yes. And then just because you're on that point right now, I would definitely throw in there just so that people know, as a title company, we are regulated by the state, by the Texas Department of Insurance. So as far as title fees go, it should be the same across the board. Where the difference comes in are the escrow fees, junk fees, mobile notary fees, but everything else should be pretty straight across the board. Yeah. TDI, not only would just, that's my day job is insurance adjusting. So I know a little bit more than the average Joe, but the premiums, the price that you pay for are going to be pretty much standard for the premium for the policy that is, because that's going to go through Austin and they got to stamp it and say, you're not charging a thousand dollars per 10 for title insurance. You know, they're going to make sure no one's getting gouged. And that I'm sure goes across other States as well. I just don't speak for them as we're in Texas. But yeah, uh, the Texas Department of Insurance, that's who issues my adjuster's license. And I have to keep happy every two years with my continuing education. Same people are overseeing the title uh, premiums, what's covered, what's not, and what products are allowed. And let's, so let's say my understanding of it, let's say if you wanted to get a specific endorsement for your father's third ex-wife's brother to come back and want to camp out on your place, like, you can do it. And Texas TDI, the Texas Department of Insurance will say, okay, yes, but we're going to oversee the premiums for that. What's the risk? What are the odds of that happening? And So we don't get a lot of that, okay? We honestly do not get a, a lot of that. We, 99% of the time, whenever you see endorsements, they're going to be on commercial property or extra endorsements. I should say additional endorsements. Those are going to be on commercial properties. You don't see that as much on residential property. Can it be done? Yes. Can I speak about it a whole lot? No, because I'd be lying to you if I told you all the different endorsements that can be added on. 
Well, that's like asking you to quote, you know, the IRS tax code. I'm not going to have you do that. It's not fair. It's just not fair. <laughs> the underwriter's number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you bring up a good point there. On So far with the way the show is geared, it's the first year or two is going to be all residential. But ultimately, I do plan to get into the topics of multifamily and commercial deals. So if you could don't just kind of give us a high level of what are some of the endorsements that a commercial policy would have that you wouldn't find on a single family, for example. And once again, going back to a commercial endorsement, you'd be looking also at the T-19. Why? Because when they buy a piece of land, they want to make sure that they can build a structure on it. Those are, that is actually, I did a little bit of homework before I was jumped on here with you today. So I asked one of our examiners, and that's what he was telling me. He is 40 years in the business. He's been an examiner forever. So he's like a book of knowledge, right? And he's like, Josie, you just don't see a lot of other endorsements between the residential and commercial. The ones that you see in commercial are the T19 because they want to make sure that they can build some sort of structural building on there once they buy this property and there's mineral rights involved and everything else. So he said that's one of the biggest ones that you see as far as commercial goes. Oh, yeah, as far as regarding the mineral rights and the use of the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because most of your residential property, it's already platted, plotted down at the county courthouse. It's residential. There's no, yeah. Exactly. And I'll tell you a funny story. I had a, a gentleman that recently we closed on here in the Heights, right? So he bought in a really nice townhome, subdivision gated. And so we were going over the mineral rights as far as residential and him not having any and so forth. And he's like, well, I could always put a piece of artwork in the front and just say that it's art and they'll never know, you know? So he thought it was, he's like, I'll just put a piece of art in the front and they'll never know that it's oil. That it's oil. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause most, whoever developed the Heights took those mineral rights years ago. If, years if, ago. If there were any. Yeah. That's exactly. uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I know a guy who buys raw land and strips the mineral rights from it and sells it right back for the same price. He doesn't care about, making money. All he's doing is leaving a legacy for his family and mineral rights. And I said, man, your lawyer and your title company must be just ecstatic with you. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) the good old old country boy. Yeah. yeah, He just buying up all the mineral rights and you know, it's, it's like, Hmm, it's interesting. So you mentioned the escrow officers, you mentioned examiners kind of walk us through. Yeah. I'm walking into the title company out of the blue got my first time home buyer credit and whatever. What's the process? What like Once I start say, okay, I want to buy 101 Main Street, I need to get a title commitment. So kind of walk us through that process. What does the title commitment give us and so on and so forth? Okay. So I always tell people that as far as the title company, we're involved from the beginning to the end. Once you have a contract in place and you have earnest money in place and that's delivered to the title company, we then get that contract receipted and make sure that everyone gets copies of who's involved, what's involved, and let them know that we're working on the search examination of the title. Okay. So our examiners then turn around and start searching the property and they go as back as, as long as the property has been there, they go as far back as they can. So they're looking for, in our examiners, I would say they're behind a computer. They don't want to talk to anybody. They don't want to see anybody. They work from home. Just leave me alone. Let me do my research. And they're looking for judgments. They're looking for child support liens. They're looking for 
any IRS liens, anything that you can imagine. So once it normally takes them anywhere from 24 to 48 hours to get that title commitment back to us. So at that point, we want to make sure that the address is correct, that the lot and block are correct. Then of course, the most important part is looking at Schedule C, where anything that is attached to the property will be on Schedule C. So any liens, judgments, anything will be on there that would affect you and may keep you from closing that property. Because if there are any IRS liens, the IRS wants their money regardless. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Believe it or not, you know, it's the same with child support liens. People think men or women that pay child support think, oh, you know, it's not going to affect me. Oh, no, it will affect you. And they want their money too. You'd be surprised. So with that being said, once we get the title commitment, it goes to all the parties involved so that everybody has a copy of the title commitment. So if there are any liens or judgments, our escrow officers and the examiners are working behind the scenes to try to get all those cleared up. Once those are clear, then we can move forward. And at that point, we're working directly with the lender so that we can go ahead and get the transaction ready for closing. And then once again, they can either come to the office, we can go to their home, job, whatever it may be to get their transaction closed. And then keys are exchanged and everybody's happy. Let's not forget the funding, right? The money. Right. Well, that's, that's the important part. <laughs> Nobody buys a house without, unless they're paying cash, but even then it has to be funded. It's got to hit the escrow. And that's, what, that's one of the beautiful things about title companies is I would never give a borrower money directly. I give it to a third party title company. They get my instructions from my attorney, confirm that this guy is who he says he is. If he goes to bring something to the table, whether it be money, keys, the title to a car, a boat, whatever, because it's not always just cash that changes hands at a closing table. But they get all that together. Once all the insurance is in place, the binders are there. Okay, you have windstorm because we're in Texas Gulf Coast. You've got flood because we're in Houston. And that's my... Flood zone. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Texas, Southeast Texas is a flood zone. Uh, just not in the FEMA maps yet. Uh, anyway, once all that's in place and the escrow officers ticked all the boxes, then bam, the money goes from my bank to your escrow to the, the, part, the seller at that point. And... I should have asked you this before we went live, but could you send us like an example of a a really bad Schedule C? Like just something like take out all the uh, personal information or property information, but just like... Yes, absolutely. nutty, like, you know, a normal Schedule C is like there was a lien from the purchase of a mortgage, then there was a refi, and here's the payoff amount if it's going to change hands. Yes. Can you show me like there's like child support, IRS, all that stuff? Yeah, so we do classes. I do them with actually one of our underwriters comes in and does classes for our lenders and our realtors on how to read a title commitment. And she has some really gnarly stuff, like things that you see are crazy. And I wish I had one with me because I could actually go over it with you. But it's, oh my God, you know, it's where someone's name was there and they were married, but then the way that it was vested is in somebody else's name. Like it just goes all over the place. And like I said, I don't have one handy to kind of go over with you now, but I have no problem sending you something. Okay, great. Yeah, because it just kind of popped in my head. Like I said, we'll talk about exclusions. We'll talk about, you know, some of the endorsements, but I didn't think about, unfortunately, yeah, all the liens and everything. Because I've looked at, obviously as a lender, I look at all the commitments to see what's listed and if somebody, if there's still a lien from say, or an heir or something from like 1775, eh, I'm not going to worry about that too much. Exactly. And it just, the risk is what we are. 
how risky is it, right? And that's one of the things. And, and I'll tell you what we recently did at Valero Title, which I'm really excited about. He's only been on board now for about three weeks, but we created a hybrid position, basically is what it is, right? So we hired this examiner that has been in the industry for 40 years. He has done everything from closings to escrow officer to you name it. He has held every position at a title company. And he was trained by attorneys that did all this commercial real estate here in Houston. So we created a position for him. So he's a middleman. He's more of of a talker than our examiners are, right? So if we have a title that is super dirty and and you're like, Josie, what is all this? I'm like, hey, listen, let me let you talk to Manny. Manny can explain it to you in layman's terms, right? Because sometimes our underwriters and our examiners, they don't speak our language. They speak title language, right? So it's always nice to have somebody there. So we're really excited to have him on board and to be able to fill that gap between the examiners, our escrow officers, and our clients. And so far, it's working out really well. Things that he can actually fight for us for that our examiners may not have because they're busy putting out these title commitments. But I did want to, you said something earlier, of course, I just, I lost my train of thought because I was going to touch base on something that, oh, you said, one thing that I always like to say is you said a title company is a third party. So as a rep for a title company, I always tell people we are a third party. So we don't make the rules. You as a lender, tell us what to do. And we go from there. So when somebody tells us, hey, why? We're like, hey, we're just kind of doing what we're instructed to do here. So I tell people that all the time. Yeah, exactly. Because everybody's bound by that same document, that title policy. And you're right. You're going to do follow the lender's instructions to make sure that everything happens so the money can flow, title can change. And then you guys file with the county clerk to make it all nice and legal and then send us the docs back. And if, God forbid, anything ever come up, we call a title company and say, hey, and the cool thing about this is it is regulated by the state. So there is, you know, people are like, what if the title company goes out of business? They're still regulated about it. It's like it's, if all state went out of business, you'd still be okay. The state is going to uh, regulate and make sure that, that, you know, if you have a policy that you're covered. So it's... Um, and that has happened where title companies, one day people show up to work and the doors are locked, you know, and we had that and happen in Houston probably about five years ago with the big title company that was here in Houston. And my phone was ringing off the wall and saying, hey, can I please transfer this over? Can you please close this for us? It was supposed to close today. They closed their doors down. So it happens. Yeah, it happens. But you're right. You're still good because we're in the state of Texas and we're covered. So yeah, and that's something I try to get across to people because I, again, I understand broadly, I understand insurance a little better than the average Joe. Although I should know more about title insurance as a lender. I just kind of know the, the basics. So that's why I'm so happy to have you on. We're here yeah. to cover you. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. They've got, <laughs> seriously, that's, I insist. I know some states you can close either at a title company or a lawyer's office. It's pretty much the same thing. They're escrow account. The lawyer's not going to research the title policy for you. But as far as the closing is concerned, as a lender, okay, yeah, I will send it to, I'm not going to send it straight to the bar. I'll send the money to a title company. I'll send it to an attorney, an unaffiliated third party, you know, that, that can get in trouble if they don't do right. So that's basically what. So the nice thing in Texas is that we do have the right to close anywhere. You don't just have to close at a title company, except if it's a cash out. When you're doing a refinance cash out, then that does have to close at a title company or a fee attorney's office. 
So those transactions do have to. What's the reason for that? Do you know? So they changed the law probably, and I don't know the exact reason behind it, but the law was changed probably about five years ago, four or five years ago, because we used to be able to close at the lenders. We used to go to Wells Fargo and close there. We used to be able to go to Chase and close there, even if it was a cash out, but then they did change the law. Now we can still do that. Once again, going back to title, but we have to take out certain verbiage in the commitment and most lenders do not want us to take out that verbiage. So it can be done, but we have to remove one of the endorsements. Then it will allow us to do it, to say that it was closed elsewhere outside of a fee attorney or a title company. But once again, like I said, the lender does not want us to remove that. Don't take any protection away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about this class about how to read a title commitment. Yeah. How often is it put on? You know, is it? Does it? I know you work with your lenders. Can can private lenders come to these Absolutely. classes? Absolutely, yes. Anybody's welcome, and that's what's nice about it. When we do classes on how to read a title commitment, how to read a survey, which is also a good class. So I am hoping to schedule one here. I schedule it with one of our underwriters, and if somebody says, "Hey, Josie, let's put on a class for how to read a title commitment or how to read a survey," Wendy from one of our underwriters, she's like, let's do it. I'm ready. And she does a really good job because she used to be an escrow officer as well. So she, once again, can dumb it down for lack of better terms so that everyone can understand. And so she'll start off with a very basic title commitment, like a clean one. Then she starts to add a little bit of junk in there. She may throw you off just with the address. Like, hey, did you guys notice that the address does not match this? So things like that. But If you ever want to put one on, just say, hey, Josie, how can we get this schedule? I have no problems doing it. We can do it at any time. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let's absolutely do it. After we uh, finish this, we'll get it scheduled because I think that is such a valuable, valuable service that you you provide. I used to say I need 24 hours to review all my documents before closing. Now I say 48 because it's just another set of eyes. It's my eyes as well. So so stay tuned to the Private Lender Podcast and Valero Title webpages to find out when that class will be. I just realized I understand the machinations of a title company, but let's go through the examiner, the escrow officer, the closer, the underwriter. Can you kind of walk us through each person after the receptionist and the nice lady or a guy that gets you the Coke or the coffee? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, sometimes the candy. I, I, yeah. yeah, it depends on how big the closing is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So our escrow officer is your go-to person. That's the person that you're communicating with at all times, whether we're asking for seller's information sheet, because I always tell people, remember at the beginning, we are doing the research on the seller because we want to see, hey, what's going on? Anything that we need to know, if there's a lien, we need to check it against those security numbers, whatever it may be. So the escrow officer is your go-to person. That's who you're going to be communicating with. Those are the people that are going to be looking at the numbers from the lender, putting a, a closing disclosure together for you. They're going to be answering any questions from beginning to end. Okay. So an escrow officer slash closer, because some companies call them closers and some companies call them escrow officers. I'm glad you made that distinction because that's going to ask my next question. Yeah. Yes. So I would say escrow officer slash closer because it just depends on what they call them at the title company. We call ours escrow officers, of course. Then the examiners, that's our research team. 
You will never see them. You will never hear from them. You don't even know they exist. They are at home behind their computers. They work day and night. These guys just love to do research. So these guys are trained to examine and research title. This is what they do and this is what they love to do. So like I said, these guys you never hear from, but they're the ones that prepare the title commitment. Their work is so important for a title company because they're the ones that are giving us a title commitment so to see if it's insurable. So one mistake from them can be costly to us. So we are blessed to have great examiners on our team. That's for sure. The underwriters. I tell people all the time, this is who insures us. They basically insure the title that we are insuring. So I say lenders have underwriters, we have underwriters, everyone involved has underwriters. So if we think that something looks good and then the underwriter says, no, I don't want to insure this, if they don't want to insure it, then there's nothing that we can do about it. Well, I'm not sure if that answers your question on the different... No, it has a distinction between a closer and escrow officer. But as far as there's uh, some people have confusion because if the mortgage, let's take a look at a typical retail sale bank of America, Wells Fargo, the the mortgage company, the bank is going to have an underwriter and they're going to underwrite the loan. Are we going to, is this person credit worthy? Is this property up to our standards? That's one sense of underwriting. In the insurance world, underwriting isn't looking at the loan. It's looking, is this risk worth the money we're going to get for it? What's the probability that we're going to have a headache for the $800, $1,200 that we charge for this policy. And they're the ones that ultimately make the final decision on whether or not that there's insurability. Correct. And I'll tell you what our escrow officers are really great at at Valero is that they're good as far as reaching out to our underwriters. We never just say, no, we don't do this. We never say, oh, this can't be done. We always say we look at them on a case by case basis. So the good thing about that is that our escrow officers are really good at reaching out to our underwriters and the attorneys that are over at the underwriting company and say, hey, Keith sent us a loan that needs a power of attorney because of this and this and this. They will look at every loan as individuals. They don't just say, no, we're not taking power of attorney. No, we're not going to do this. No, we're not going to do that. And we're very lucky to have underwriters that are always willing to listen. And if it makes sense, then a lot of the times they'll insure it as long as it makes sense. That's a good point because we bought our house that we're in now. The wife, It was in the husband and wife's name. The husband was here. He's an expat Brit working here in the oil business. And his wife was an Italian national and she was traveling in Russia or something at the time of closing. So they had to produce a power of attorney that she said, okay, yes, my husband has the, the, the I guess it was a limited power of attorney, if I remember correct, because he has the ability to sign my name on my behalf for this real estate transaction. And then the title company's like, great. It has to be specific to the transaction. Right. Yeah. Transaction specific. Exactly. And, you know, there was like a window too. Like if it didn't happen, like in the closing didn't happen, and we had to go get another power of attorney because it was a very limited document, but everything went well. And one of the things, Keith, just to remember is that people don't realize that when you're using a power of attorney, as a title company, we have to be able to call and speak to that person to make sure that they're alive and well at the time of closing. So we tell people that all the time. Put them by the phone. and Yep. We have to be able to communicate with them. You know, we're doing this via recording this interview over the internet. Are internet closings kind of the wave of the future? Do you think that it's... What? No, we're already... We're, we're already there. We're there. We're there. It's super exciting. 
we are, all of our escrow officers are trained to do paperless signings on the computer via FaceTime, via Zoom, whatever it may be. They will sit at the leisure of their office here at the Galleria while you're at home and they walk you through the documents. We're prepared for it, but the only thing is, is we can only do it when the lender sends over the instructions for it to be a uh, wireless closing or not a wireless closing, a paperless closing. Paperless closing. So that's something to know is to tell the, our attorneys to, hey, that they want to close. Because I don't know about other parts of the country, but you know you can drive for an hour and still be in Houston. So, you know, there's a... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do it every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'm not opposed to electronic closings myself. Is as long as all the protections are in place, I don't care if they, I don't wish driving to the Galleria on anybody. I'll just go ahead and say that. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I'll live in the Galleria. <laughs> oh, it's great after seven, eight o'clock at night. You can get around, you know, go to the restaurants. It's fine. It's just that like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. It's just right. Exactly. Yes. Well, cool. Well, tell us. Thank you for coming on. But I know you have some other goodies about Valero title that you'd like to share with us besides just the no closing fees and, and all that. Oh, those were the goodies. I'm sorry. Yeah, there is the no closing fees. You, I'd like to share with you. Have you heard of the Zocam app? No. No. Okay. Zocam. First, how do you spell it? Z O C C A M. Okay. So the Zocam app is really big for realtors because they can actually download it on their phone. You put in your information, the seller's agent, buyer's agent take a picture of the front and the back of the check and it is in our office within five minutes. So it's basically like a chase to chase transfer. Really? So you can take a picture of a cashier's check? It has to be a check, an actual personal check. Oh, a personal check. Okay. Gotcha. Your virtual courier. Look at that. I just pulled up the webpage right now. Z-O-C-C-A-M or Zebra Oscar Charlie Charlie Adam M as in man, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Mary. Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Mary. So... That's interesting. Okay, man, everything is just going electronic and right. it's, it's just nuts. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. So Our realtors in Houston love it because like you just said, you can drive an hour before you even get anywhere. I travel a lot for my day job and it takes me at 5 a.m. It still takes me 50 minutes to get to the airport. I'm not going to admit to exceeding the speed limit. I'm just going to say <laughs> there's a possibility that I may Maybe. at one or two toll roads toll bridges or whatever. I may have gone a little fast, but <laughs> I, love it. I love it. This is the fact that you guys are doing the mobile notary. I mean, that alone is a huge help just to have someone else. But with the electronics, that's great. Zero escrow fees. And that's something in the junk fees because people can, like you said, you know, $500 to send a, what was it cost? Was it $35 to do it electronically? It depends on the county. I know, but like 25 to $35, but this, you don't have to pay anything. It Valero Title pays to use this app. So we endure that cost. You're not having to do it. So it makes it super easy. Wow. That's no junk fees. The other thing about Valero Title is you're not your regular nine to five. So if you want to close five in the morning, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, we will accommodate you with whatever needs to be done. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> uh, that one will take you up on. Let's close at midnight just to see if We've it done happens. It. We've done That's it all awesome. in cash outs. You know, they have to wait till midnight. They're leaving town. Like meet me at the office at 1201, okay? <laughs> That's funny. So how do people get a hold of Valero Title if they want to learn more or use you guys for their transactions? So once again, my name is Josie Anderson and my email address is janderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N at valerotitle.com. And our Houston email is houston at valerotitle.com. And it goes to 
everyone in our Houston office, plus our owners of Valero titles. So they get to see those as well. Oh, excellent. Okay. And our owners are actually escort officers as well. So they're working just like we are. They're not out playing golf, even though he'd like to be, but he's not. <laughs> but they're escort officers in the office as well. So they're also working. In the trenches with you guys, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, and they cool. work out of our Austin office. They run the Austin office. Well, I'm sure there's a golf course nearby. Oh, I'm would. sure there is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's called the uh, UT Golf Course. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. There you go. That'll do it. Well, cool. Well, so Jay Anderson at ValeroTitle.com if you want to get a hold of Josie and Houston at ValeroTitle.com if you want to do some business or find out more. And obviously, yeah, the www.ValeroTitle.com for more information. So Josie, thank you so much for coming on. Ooh, thanks for having me. This was exciting. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope to see you at the closing table sometime soon. Yes, let's do it. I want to thank Josie Anderson for coming on the show today. And I'd like to thank you for listening this far and for sharing your time with me as well. If you'd like more information about Josie or Valero Title, please head over to the show notes for episode 64 at privatelenderpodcast.com, and there you'll find links and a whole lot more. And if you want to find out about the next Private Lender Academy class, please go to privatelenderpodcast.com backslash events. And I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I'm pretty much spending my kids' college funds on this podcast, so... <laughs> it's, it's a bad joke, but not far from the truth. But anyway, the only thing I ask for listening to the show is to go please leave a rating and review over at iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you are using to listen to this show. But it would be even more helpful if you could go to iTunes and leave a review. iTunes is still the largest podcast platform, whether you or me or like it or not, but it would really help to get this podcast into the ears of more people if you could leave an honest rating and review. And if you know someone who could benefit from listening, please help spread the word. You can connect with me and share this episode on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Bigger Pockets. Links to all these channels can be found at privatelenderpodcast.com. So until next week, I wish you all, above all else, a feeling of contentment in at least a few areas of your life, if not all. And as always, I'd like to wish you happy and prosperous private lending. I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.